Hello and welcome back to the Bench Boys podcast. In this week's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Brackley Town midfielder Shane Byrne. Uh, Shane, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. All good, how are you? Uh, I'm also good, thank you. Uh, we're going to quickly just discuss, well, not quickly, in the full episode, but uh, we're going to be discussing Shane's career, his rise from Ireland to England to play in the National League, of course, with uh, Brackley, the promotions he's done. Uh, but I think we'll start off then with where it all began, obviously, back in Dublin, which is where you were born. Uh, obviously, you were, did come through the Leicester City youth team who um, played in England, yeah. Um, so, as a youngster, a youngster midfielder who was coming through in an English youth team, but obviously being born in Ireland, I'm guessing you were raised in Ireland. Um, how, what sort of difficulties did you have to go through to get into the Leicester youth team? Did you have to move countries? Yeah, so um, when I lived back in Ireland, so I, lived, I moved over when I was 15. Um, but you're sort of trialling in England from sort of the age, I think my first trial was at age 11. So every sort of midterm break at school or summer holiday, you were flying to England to go on trial at club. So, yeah, I moved over. Um, most lads move over from Ireland at 16 when they signed their, their YTS, their scholarship. But I moved oh. over a bit I moved over a bit earlier just to get used to the training. Mm. So I moved over at 15 um, and trained with the under-18s from them. I lived in digs and stuff. Um, so the biggest sort of challenge I've overcome was moving from a different country without your family. Mm, yeah. So that, all my family still live in Ireland. So moving over and sort of leaving them behind to to go and start out trying to play football. That's probably the biggest challenge any any kid from Ireland would face moving over. Yeah. Uh, and as you mentioned there, you went through quite a number of trials. Uh, out of interest, what clubs did you have trials at? Um, first one was Ipswich, and then I had the likes of uh, at Leicester, Derby, Nottingham Forest, uh, West Brom, Burnley, Rangers, Man United, uh, Liverpool, Oh, wow, so there's quite a lot there. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Honestly, like, we had a good team from my age group back in Ireland, the team I played for. So pretty much every, like I said, every school holiday you wore at a different club. And sometimes it was choosing where you wanted to go. You'd have a couple that wanted to take you. So, yeah, it was um, it was good. It was it was an enjoyable time. Yeah, how stressful did you find it, having to go, and so many, go to so many trials, not knowing anyone there, um, and obviously coming back and then finding out whether you actually got into the U team? Uh, it wasn't stressful at all, to be honest. Like, like I said, my first trial was 11, so it was sort of more exciting than anything. You know, you're just going over and you're just going to a different country to play football. Um, obviously, sort of the nervousness comes in when it comes to crunch time and clubs want you to sign. So I think I, when I was choosing who I wanted to sign for, I'd narrowed it down to Forest and Leicester. So not too far apart, in uh, both in the Midlands, but I narrowed it down to them. So trying to make the right decision for my career was probably probably the most stressful part. Yeah. Uh, and obviously you're from Dublin. I'm going to be honest, I'm not too uh, sure on Irish teams or who plays in Dublin, but um, yeah. who was it that you support? Oh, I support, um, I support Liverpool, but back home my team is Shamrock Rovers. Uh, is, that, is that near Dublin? Yeah, that's literally, so where I used to live, um, the stadium's probably two minutes down the road. Oh, okay, all right. So when that I was, not... yeah. Sorry, go on. Uh, I've never, I've never been to Ireland. To be honest, I don't know where any of the teams are or anything like yeah. that. Uh, but 
obviously came from a youth rank, uh, youth team, and I don't think we're less from the Premier League at that point. And were... No, so they're in they're in League One when I signed, and that was probably the reason yeah. behind that. I thought if I signed for a team in League One, I probably got a better chance of playing first team football there rather than signing for a Championship team or a Premier League team. I thought it's probably my best route to first team football, but yeah. they quickly got promoted. Ah, okay. Uh, so I previously wanted to interview people, and they've come through the youth ranks at uh, an EFL club. They uh, had to get the coaching badges while coming through. So, do you have any? Um, do you actually have any coaching badges? Yeah. So, I think it was probably compulsory at the time. Everybody had to do the level two. It was part of your your YTS. Yeah, so, everybody did that. And then, uh, I think last year I passed my UEFA B license, so I've got that as well. And um, we'll look probably to do my A license before I'm thirty. Something mm. something good to have. Something good to to be involved in. Like I, I wouldn't want to step away from football. So I think it's probably important to do if you enjoy the football if you enjoy football as much as I do like yeah uh, obviously you're on 27 but would you have any interest in going into coaching when uh, your playing career does end yeah definitely probably mm. probably the most natural route for me I'm not really interested in, in much much else so um, yeah definitely I'd uh, I'd love to do it so whether it's starting with under 10s and working my way up or going straight into men's football in the non-league setup. Either or would do me, you know what I mean? Like, like I said, I, I love football, so doing it after after my career finishes would feel like a natural natural progression for me. Yeah. Uh, and we usually see we've coming for youth teams as well, but you might be a certain position and they might shape you into a new position. Uh, was you always a central midfielder? Yeah, yeah, always. Um, I think when we were seven aside, I dabbled at playing at the back, but pretty much my whole career was centre mid, yeah. Obviously, I think most centre mids, try and play right back but I've mm. never done it it's literally been centre mid probably into a CDM and now sort of more box to box so the sort of possession positioning has changed a little bit but um yeah always been always been a midfielder yeah yeah uh was there any players in that Leicester youth team who have gone on to have a real good career yeah we to be fair we had a we had a really good youth team both years when I was there when I was um a first year and a second year, but my year, um, yeah, somebody like Jeffrey Schlupp, who's at Crystal Palace mm. playing in the Premiership, um, Liam Moore, who's captain of Redden, he's he was another one in, in our youth team, and we had somebody like Ellis who plays for Brackley with me, he was in my yeah. youth team, so I've known Ellis like 11, 12 years, um, and some other lads have gone on to play and make careers in the AFL, like Ollie Norborn, who's at Chef, uh, he's at Shrewsbury, and mm. George Taft, who's at Bolton, so few lads had and I think to be fair the coach at Leicester uh, Steve Beaglehall has a good track record of of making players stay in yeah. the game um, mm. he's an excellent coach and he sort of he's tough on you so um, he sort of prepares you for what's to come in men's football yeah yeah definitely uh, and when sort of moving on from Leicester then obviously your first sort of professional move came when you uh, joined Bury on loan, uh, but I noticed that you actually withdrew from the island of the 19s uh, to join Bury. What was the thinking behind that decision? Um, obviously, playing for your country is probably one of the biggest honours you can have. But at the time, I I, I played for under 15, 16, 17, and 19, so I had to think about what was going to progress my career more. And I just thought going away and playing for Ireland in a couple of friendlies, or missing out on a month long move to a League One side. I was like, which one's gonna, which one's gonna benefit me more? And to be fair, it was an easy decision because um, I think the loan move would have passed if I had gone on international duty. I'm not sure. I think they needed some somebody pretty quickly. So um, 
yeah, it was an easy decision, to be honest. And it was just about what was the best move for me at the time. Because um, if I had passed that up, I probably wouldn't have any league, league appearances to my name. So for me, it yeah. was definitely the right decision. Yeah, and in that first year at Bury as well, you played under Richie Barker. Uh, he's going to become more of an assistant manager since leaving Bury. But as, a, as the first sort of manager to take a chance of you at a professional football club, how good of a feeling was that? Yeah, it was a great feeling for somebody to put that trust in me at such a young age. I was only 18 at the time and um, I signed a loan for them on the Wednesday, trained on the Thursday and, and he started me on Saturday against Sheffield United at Bramall okay. Lane. So, um, and then the next week we played uh, Rochdale at home. It was a local derby and he pulled me in in the office on Friday and he was just straight up and he said, listen, I'm going to drop you today. Tomorrow you did nothing wrong, but uh, I need to go with a more attacking formation and just somebody to to be honest and upfront with you about that, he ended up bringing me on at half time and sort of put a lot of trust and faith in me and like something I can't repay him for, but I've obviously spoke to him since then. I've played against him as an assistant manager and just, just told him how grateful I am for the opportunity he gave me and the experience he gave me, you know, just that for somebody to have that trust in you at a young age is, uh, it's very rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously fans aren't allowed in right now, but back then when you were playing for Bury in a derby against a team like Rochdale, obviously there can be hostile crowds. Uh, how did you deal with the pressure of playing in a derby, even if you weren't necessarily affiliated with Bury as a club close to your heart? But what was it like playing in a derby where there's obviously fans loud, players getting a bit raucous perhaps? What was that like? Well, yeah, obviously we're, we're all fans. I'm, I'm a fan of football, so you know how important, like, and how important the Liverpool Everton game is. So, you sort of put yourself in that mindset, Celtic Rangers, and you think, well, it's got to mean just as much to me as it has to the fans. So it's just about giving everything, you know. It, it gives you a little more spring in your step, a little bit more energy because you can tell how, how much the fans want it. Every tackle you go in for, you get a big cheer for it. It, it, uplifts, it uplifts you a lot and they're, they're very good games to play and we ended up losing on the day. We lost 4-2. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it wasn't a great derby day for us, but... Yeah, it's sort of the passion from the fans comes out a bit more and um, they are great games to play in. Yeah, and then uh, you moved to Bury, I believe, became permanent, was it? Yeah, I had um, I had another... I had my loan move for about six months, took a little injury, so I went back to me, to Leicester um, and then the season finished and I still had another year at Leicester, but Bury wanted me permanently and I thought, well, it's time to... I didn't think I was going to get anywhere near the force team at Leicester. So I thought, well, I'm 19. Can I go and, and establish a career in the league? So um, it was a tough decision because I've been at Leicester for four and a half years. I still live in Leicester now. So like Leicester has a big place in my heart. But I just thought, what's going to benefit me most? And unfortunately, it didn't work out in the way I wanted to. But I still think it was probably the right decision to make. No, yeah. Uh, you weren't really too involved in the squad in that year. But uh, what was it like working under a different manager in the form of Kevin Blackwell? <laughs> um, the less said about that year, the better. Basically, I um I contracted glandular fever, so I was pretty ill for most of my time under under Kevin Blackwell. And the assistant manager at the time, Peter Shortlift, he was the assistant manager when Richie Barker was there, and I built the reputation of a midfielder who gets around the park, puts his foot in, gets on the ball, and coming back from glandular fever, couldn't do any of that. Couldn't couldn't run, uh -huh. save your life. So um. Yeah, I had a lot of run-ins with Kevin Blackwell, unfortunately. So um, it was a manager I didn't see eye to eye, to eye, to eye with. And yeah. it's just one of them that happens. And unfortunately, I've not been at a club that I've had a managerial change since. So I've not gone through it again. But something that didn't work out for me and, and, and I didn't enjoy it. it was a manager that, that I didn't get on with. But 
that's what happens in football. Yeah. Uh, I've noticed sort of in terms of like, just looking at your stats and things like that, uh, upon leaving Bury, you took like a gap year sort of between 2013 to 14 until obviously the Bray opportunity came around. Uh, obviously, I should have asked this before, but are you allowed to tell us what happened during that year? That was just the glandular fever, still trying to get over that. So I, I lost about 10, 11, 12 kg. So I was skinny. I had no muscle. I had no fitness. So it was just about building that back up. So I went on a few trials, um, but nothing serious. And I just sort of worked on myself. Um, and then obviously my, my dad said, why don't you come back here to, to Ireland and, and have a go at that and see what that's like. And I said, well, yeah, I might as well. I, I played a couple of games for Barrowell as well when I was in that period, I think I played 10 or 12 games, but mm. because my muscles were so fatigued and so underused, I picked up a lot of injuries in that time. So I think I only ended up playing 10 games for them. Um, so yeah, that was it. Nothing nothing major, just trying to get myself back fit, really. Yeah. I've realised now I probably should have asked this before I asked that question then, but uh, obviously now Barry have gone under as a club. Do you ever look back, at, look back at that and obviously feel sad with how everything turned out? Yeah, I'm absolutely good for them. Um, I had... Probably some of my best times as a footballer there. Um, I still speak to some of the fans um, and some of the people at the club. It was a great club. Really, really enjoyed my time there. So I'm gutted for them, but I'm glad that they're restarting as their own club, the Phoenix Club. You know, it's nice to see. And um, I'd love to see them back to where, where they belong in the league. But yeah, I've got a lot of, lot of time for Barry. I lived there for two or three years, enjoyed the city, enjoyed the place. So um once they're back where they belong, I think uh, everybody will be happy. Yeah. Uh, sort of skipping back to uh, what happened in that gap year then. Uh, in terms of getting over... I forgot what, sorry, I forgot what it was called. Um, no, that was glandular fever. It, it doesn't stick in my head. Uh, how did you find the motivation to get over that and get back to playing football? It was tough because basically what it does is it saps all your energy. It was, uh, it was a, a blood defect. Um, so I was in bed for like seven, eight hours during the day and sleeping eight hours at night. But I just... I came in every day still. I had about eight months off and then I was back in at Berry. So being there and training every day probably helped me because uh, I had to get up and I had to go there. And then I built up some fitness. So just for the love of the game, really, I found that just getting up and, and working hard on my own, it was something that I had to do. I was injured quite a lot at Leicester as well. So when you're in the physio room and, and you're away from everybody, it's down to you and how hard you work to how quickly you get back to playing. So I had that sort of mentality in me and I just, I'd had enough of resting and, and being ill and just wanted to get back. So getting up every day and, and trying to work as hard as I can came easy, to be honest, um, because I was missing something I loved doing. Mm, yeah. Uh, was there anyone then sort of when you were going through this stage in your life who managed to help you get back to your best self then? Yeah, my wife at the time, who, my wife now, she was my girlfriend at the time. So obviously she was a big help. Um just getting me out of bed in the morning and, and, and giving me that support. Same with our family. Um, when I'd left Derry, I'm only in this country basically because I'm, I've, I'm married to her. I'm still here. Our family yeah. took me in, gave me a place to live and stuff. So um, she and they were, were a massive help and to get me back on my feet, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so how did the Bray Wanderers opportunity come about then? Was it just a series of like a trial or...? Yeah, so um, I mentioned earlier, my, my old man had said, like, why don't you come back here and, and just see what it's like? So um, we drove over on the ferry in January. Uh, Ireland, the Irish season is the summer season, so it's March to November. Okay. 
So I played a few games for Barrowwell, so my fitness was getting back. So yeah, it was basically pre-season over there. So pre-season, I, I did some trials at Shamrock Rovers and then Bray and sort of like Bray turned out to be a better fit for me. So um, I ended up signing there and like, and, and that was it really, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned sort of before there with um, your girlfriend slash wife. Uh, how difficult was it for you to obviously move to Ireland? Because uh, did, did she come along with you? Yeah, she came with me. She was very supportive of the decision. Um, I think she she knew what I gave up to move over here. And I think always in our minds, it was a short-term thing. The goal was to move back to play, to get back to England. Um, mm. But she was happy to move over at the start. And and we enjoyed our time there. Like It was nice to see my family so regularly. Obviously, living away since I was 15, I don't get to see them much. So um, that part of it was nice. But yeah, she was straight on the ferry and, and, and had no qualms about moving over, which was nice. Yeah, that's good, yeah. And then obviously you did opt to move back to England and join Corby Town. Uh, what was sort of thinking behind that? Obviously, like you said before, you want to get back to the English game. Uh, how did like the Corby opportunity manage to come around? Um, well, like I said before, the Irish season's in the summer. So in June or something, I think it's June or July, they have a two-week break. And I had to bring my car over to get MOT'd and serviced and stuff yeah. like that. So we, we drove back over and to see, to see my wife's family. And... Um, to be honest, I wasn't enjoying living back in Ireland. I'd built sort of like a life away. I was very mature for my age and I've lived away with my family for so long and I was back living with them and I think we started to get on each other's nerves and the football sort of thing wasn't going as well as it could over there. So yeah. I just ended up ringing the manager at Bray and just saying, like, I think it's probably best if I stay over here and told my family and they were happy for me to do it. And uh, Tommy Wright, obviously, was the manager at Corby at the time and um, he used to play for Leicester. So... I had, um, had a Leicester scout ring Tommy and just see if I could play a game, just to get me fitness again. Like I said, yeah. it wasn't necessarily a thing that I was going to do. I had, probably had ambitions of going somewhere higher up, but I played a pre-season game for them against Nottingham Forest. And um, and then they were like adamant that I sign and, and continue playing for them. And I sort of held off at the start, but yeah, I was, was happy to sign and I enjoyed my football there. Yeah, were you, were you ever like a bit conscious about moving to Bradford? Because obviously I played League One with Bury, uh, the Scottish, uh, not Scottish, Irish highest sort of division with Bray. Uh, were you a bit conscious about dropping far down the football ladder? When I first left Bury, I had had a few potent, I had a few trials. I could have had a few trials at National League clubs, and I thought yeah. I sort of turned my nose up at them because I didn't know a lot about non-league football then. I was naive. Mm. I was young. I thought, oh no. I'm, I'm better than that, I would say. Um, yeah. So I didn't know a lot. So now, once I I did my research about it and looked into it, and obviously I've been playing this level now for about seven, eight years, um, you realise sort of how good the level is and how many players come through it. And yeah. um, once I started playing, I thought, well, hold on, this isn't you know, this isn't as bad as I, I initially thought it was. So um, yeah, I was a bit naive at the time, and I, I did tell me I was. And I think, to be honest, a lot of young lads coming through the professional game probably do turn their nose up a bit at non-league um, yeah. but the coverage it gets from the FA Cup and how well teams do in the FA Cup now I think people started to re realise sort of what a good education you can get from non-league and, and it will st send like kids in good stead for the rest of their career Yeah uh, and when you obviously you moved to Corby you need to get international clearance was there any, ever any doubts over that or were you ever left feeling frustrated? Yeah, a little bit. It was frustrating at the start because I ended up missing the first two or three games because of it. Um, so, yeah, it did hold up a little bit. It wasn't too bad, but, yeah, it did hold up. I think I missed the Saturday, Tuesday. 
and and then I, I was ready for the Saturday. So yeah, it stalled a little bit, but the FA and and the, um, the Irish FA are, are pretty good at it. So it didn't take too long. But yeah, I missed I missed a couple of games, so that that was frustrating. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, Corby are also like a part-time team. So, did you ever have to find like a second job whilst playing for them? Yeah, so um, it was my first ever job outside of football. I um, I got a job at Aldi. Oh, okay. So, um, so yeah, <laughs> I worked stacking there. Shelves. Yeah, stacking shelves on the till, all sorts. Yeah, so I did that. So, um, obviously, I had to have every Saturday off for games. So, to get the job, I had to work every Sunday. <laughs> Oh, so okay, right. on a Saturday and working on the Sunday, but yeah, I enjoyed it. It was it was good. I actually went back there and, and worked there in the first lockdown just to help out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was my first ever job, first ever interview as well. It was um, nerve wracking actually. Yes, <laughs> uh, Brackley are part time. Brackley is part time team. Yeah, we're part time. Yeah, we're part time now. Have you uh, do you work? No, you just said you don't work for Aldi, but where do you? Um, I'm a builder work? now, so I work in the building trade. So. Love bricks around, chuck stuff around. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough job, but it's one I enjoy. So it fits in well with football. If I need to have a half day for like an away game on a Tuesday, yeah, I can just take it off because I'm self-employed. So it works well around football. Yeah, I'm going to say, yeah. Uh, whilst that, that Corby, sorry, then obviously you played alongside Wilson Carvalho, who later went on to join Atkinson, Stanley, Macclesfield, had a pretty decent career out of himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you ever tell when playing, because I imagine when you played him, you were quite young, uh, he had the potential to go on to play in the EFL. Yeah, he was he was a good player. I still speak to Wills now. We're still good friends. Um, to be fair, that team was very talented. We had a we had a lot of good players. Um, him one side, Greg Mills the other. Uh, Spencer Ware Daly, ex Nottingham Forest, Notch County Pro, uh, Cleveland Taylor, ex Gunthorpe. But okay. yeah, we um, we had a good side. So I think, I think my job was to just let them go and win us the game and. I think he made it onto Soccer AM with some tricks and flicks and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. Not, it was nice to see his, his career progress and, and to see where he went and stuff. And obviously, good for what happened with him at Macclesfield, but these mm. things happen, don't they? But yeah, he's, he's done well for himself and he was, I always thought he was a good player. Yeah. And with Corby, you also got promotion. Uh, I'm right thinking this was your first promotion at a football club. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, won it on the last day of the season against, oh, well. against top of the league. So, Pool were top on 92 points. So we were second on 91 points. Oof. Turned out to play them the last game of the season. What's got what's got it? 3 2. Oh, okay. Did, did you manage to get a goal or did you just let the strikers do the first? No, we went we went 2 0 up. So I was not all at half time, went 2 0 up pretty early into the second half. And then I think they scored two in the 70th and 75th minutes to draw it back to 2 all. And then we scored the winner in the 84th minute. It was my birthday that day as well. I turned 22 oh, wow. on that day as well. So, yeah, it was unbelievable. I think I think Corby took 1,000, 1,200 fans down. Like, Oh, God. Um, I didn't know Corby had good fans. Well, well I, I think, our, I yeah. think our, average, our average attendance for the season was about 525. And then all of a sudden, we've got about 1,200, 1,300 travelling the pill. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was oh, it was unbelievable. One of, the, one of the best days I've had in football. Yeah, yeah. Uh um, and so I've been at Paul as well. Um, uh, not Paul, uh, Carby getting, getting promoted. Uh, as a sort of first promotion, you're, like you said, then you're only turning 22 years old. We uh, ambitions from there to only go up the football ladder, or we perhaps, well, obviously moved on to Nanita, but considering just staying at Carby for the time being. I wanted to stay at Carby. We had we had such a good team spirit. Like I, I absolutely loved my time there and the lads and my 
my thoughts were to stay there and continue with that team in the National League North because I thought we would have had a good shot of, of at least staying in the league. But um, yeah. for whatever reason, the manager wanted to chop and change things. He wanted to move me out of position. And I just I just didn't think it was right for me. And then Nuneaton were full-time at the time. And I thought, right, I'm 22 now. If I go full-time, give it a year, see if I can get back to sort of like football league and progress that way. Mm-hmm. So... That was my thinking behind going to Nuneaton and, and going back to full-time, really. Yeah. Uh, was it the same manager who you got promoted with that sort of changed things? Yeah. Yeah, it was mm. strange because, like I said, we had such a good team um, and the team spirit, like I said, was was unbelievable. Like You looked forward to away journeys just to spend more time with the lads. So when he wanted to change things and bring in players who we didn't actually need to bring in, just sort of to get frustrated a bit with it and... I had to look elsewhere, and I think at the time, Brackley wanted to sign me and yeah. Nuneaton, but I chose I chose Nuneaton instead. Mm, yeah. Uh, what position did you want to change it to? I think you wanted to play right side of midfield. Yeah. Have you so, got the pace, not got the pace for that? Or something? Not got the pace for that. Absolutely <laughs> not. No flair whatsoever. <laughs> uh, and well, obviously at Nuneaton, then uh, sort of last bit on Corby here, but they did get relegated in that season. Did you ever feel any sort of like? Sadness towards seeing them go straight back down. No, it was good for them. I had a, yeah. had a lot of time for the for the fans at Corby and the people at Corby, so um, I was good for them. Obviously, it looks good on me getting out and them not staying up. But yeah, yeah, I, I, a lot of I think I was the only one to leave that year, maybe. So 90 percent of the team was still the same. So I was I was good for the lads because said we had we had such a good relationship. Yeah. Uh, and joining Nuneaton, then they'd obviously just got relegated from the National League, I believe, at that point. Uh, so, did you ever feel like it would be difficult managing the expectations of a club that's just been relegated from a higher tier than Corby just been promoted? Did you feel it was more difficult to adjust? Well, I knew they were a big club, obviously. they'd. Um, I think the season before they got rele- relegated, they were top of the National League for, for quite a bit with the likes of Luton in it and stuff. So, um, But no, it didn't come into my head at all, really. Um, I just knew the sort of culture they wanted to create, the full-time model and stuff. So, um, yeah, it was something that interested me. Like I said, I wanted to give it another go, playing full-time football. So, I think at the time, they were one of the only ones in the National League North going full-time. So, um, I knew the gaffer had sort of like a good record of moving players on from Ilkeston. The likes of Che Adams he had there and Ashman. Oh. So, um, I thought it was probably the best, best chance for me to get another move. So, it was a pretty easy decision, really. And sort of, I bet the fans didn't know what to expect because they went from a completely different way of thinking from the part-time, a lot of experience led to, we went full-time, we had, I think the average age must have been below 25 easily. Mm, yeah. Uh, and at the Neaton, obviously, well, we mentioned at Corby, you played alongside Wilson Carvalho, but at the Neaton, you played uh, just a few names, Elliot Whitehouse, now at, I think, Crawley, someone like that. Forest uh, Joe Ironside at uh, Cambridge and John Smith, I think, at Nottingham Forest still. Yeah. Uh, Nottingham Forest, yeah, Nottingham Forest, yeah. Yeah, he is, yeah. Uh, obviously, you had so many talented players in there who went on to play at a higher level. Uh, what went running that season in not making the playoffs? Obviously, Nuneet, I believe, were expected to get back promoted straight away. But what happened in not making the playoffs? Yeah, I think we started really well. I think we were sort of a surprise package because of the sort of youth we brought in. And mm-hmm. I remember going the first game of the season, we played Charlie away. Charlie had just lost in the playoff finals previous. Oh, and everybody, everybody knows how how hard Charlie away is. And we came away with a 3-2 win. And then going into Christmas, I think it was between us and Sully Hull, 
towards the top. And I think 60% of the former and eating team had signed for Sully Hill. Um, so it was sort of like a big derby game. And we ended up losing to them yeah. twice over Christmas. And I just, I think we probably lacked experience, a bit of naivety because we were so young. We were coming up against teams like Boston who had a lot of experience. And I think they ended up pipping us to the playoffs. Um, I think it was between us and them to get there and we played them towards the end of the season and I think they just had a bit more a bit more tactical nose, a bit more non-league about them that, that we did and we tried to play pretty stuff and probably in and around the winter probably started to dwindle off because the pitches got a little bit worse so I think we just didn't have enough about us to make the playoffs which was frustrating because we had a very good team Yeah uh, and obviously, sort of moved away from the league to then they did eventually, well, after you left, went on to sort of go down a few, quite a few leagues, I think. Uh, I'm not too sure what the league they're in right now, but it's not it's below National League North anyways. Uh, are you sad to see sort of their sort of position? Obviously, when you joined them, they were pushing for playoffs, just being relegated from National League. Uh, are you sad to see them drop all the way as far as they have? Yeah, definitely. I think I think when I was there, it was probably the club was probably misrun in a mm. way financially. I think that's they've came to come to cost them really. Um, but yeah, I had, I had a good year at Nuneaton, and so um, it is sad to see. I think they're they're only in the league below us. Uh, they're oh, in the, oh. Yeah, they're in the the central division, um, mm. but they're they're a big club. Um, I remember going there with Leicester and playing against them. Leicester first game against Nuneaton, and so like that's sort of like what they used to drag in. I think it was two and a half, three thousand there. So um, oh. yeah, it's, it's sad to see where they are, but I'm sure I can see them coming back. Um, coming back very soon. They're, they're a big club and, and once things get back to normal back playing, I can see them coming back up to the National League North, definitely. Yeah. Uh, what prompted your decision to leave and Eaton then for Brackley? Uh, well, I still had another year on my contract. I had an option which I didn't know about and I wanted to leave the full-time module to go part-time and get a job to save for a house and stuff. I wanted to sort of move my life on rather than football on. So that yeah. was the decision really and um and luckily, Brackley came in and, and sort of I think they had to pay they had to pay a little fee for me. Um, so they came in and and and, and got me out of a sticky situation I was in really because I couldn't afford to continue playing and trying to save for life outside of football sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, as a player, obviously playing non league as well, you made several moves from Corby to Nuneaton to Brackley. Um, how difficult is it as a non-league player to find like a new sort of club? Did you have like an agent who just threw your name out there, see who came back, or was it a case of you just messaging people you knew? Uh, no, I've, I've not had an agent since I've been at non-league, actually. Um, oh. Nuneaton, to be fair to them, um, sent they sent a letter out or an email out to every club in the National League, National League North, National League South, I think even, and uh, League Two, just saying players on the transfer list if you're interested. So I think the move came about that way. Yeah. And obviously that was my last move and then into Brackley. I've been at Brackley for five years now. So I've not I've not had to do that side of things yet. So um yeah, that was it really. I couldn't really talk to anybody because I was still in contract. So they had to approach the club and ask permission to speak to me. So um yeah. I really couldn't do a lot to be honest. Hmm. Uh in terms of sort of uh I completely forgot what was going on, I'll sorry about that. Um <laughs> uh right, I'll just move on to Johnny Brackley. I won't mind an eating thing that I've completely <laughs> uh, joining sort of Brackley then obviously joining the club who would want you to before could you always tell that maybe you would end up at Brackley probably yeah I, I, I remember when Brackley were the only club in for me I just thought oh, do I want to go there after turning them down um, mm. 
but they'd had a managerial change and stuff. So I just thought I, I need to make this decision. I need to get out and I need to better my sort of life outside of football. So, um, and it helps that they were the only club in for me at the time, to be honest. So, yeah, it was, um, it was one of them. I think obviously I'd met people at the club and I'd gone down to, to look at Brackley previously. So I think they were, they were happy to see me there eventually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and obviously, in your first year at Brackley as well, you played against AFC Fylde, who were just had, well, had Daniel up front. And I'm a Bradford fan, so he's just signed for Bradford. So I'm delighted about that. Yeah. Uh, but in that year where you first faced AFC Fylde, he scored 47 goals. Uh, and you can bear in mind, his closest compare was 28 goals with Danny Newton. Uh, playing up, uh, coming up against a player like Danny Rowe then at Fylde, how difficult of a task is that? Yeah, he's he's a very good, very, very good player. We played against him, obviously, previously the year before at Nuneaton. And mm. my non-league knowledge was very poor then. Now it's now it's excellent. I'll tell you, the majority of players who play in, in our league. But at the time, at Nuneaton, I remember him chopping me. And I just thought, he was playing striker a minute ago. And I was in midfield throwing this chop at me. I was just thinking, <laughs> who is this guy? But we ended up playing... In my fourth season at Brackley, we played the first game at Files New Ground. Oh, yeah. Was it Mill Farm or something? Yeah. And we drew one all. I don't think he scored that day, actually, but he did have a big chance. Uh, he had an open goal oh, with yeah. just their defender on the line. And our defender ended up guessing right and heading the ball out. But I've never, honestly, <laughs> I've never seen a man kick a ball as hard as he can. No, yeah. I was thinking that he hits it so hard. I've smashes it from everywhere. It's absolutely ridiculous. And he's got one of the best chops I've ever seen. And he's got, I think he's probably got every person who's played against him in non-league with that chop. He's, um, yeah, he's a very, he's a lethal finisher. Absolutely lethal. Yeah. Uh, so obviously midfielder then, you've played with several good players, especially at Brackley. I watched, I did a match part on your game against Tramia where, you know, you had Trey Mitford up front and what's, I forgot his other, the other striker were really good. Liam uh, Love. It, yeah, him, yeah. Um, does it help as a midfielder to have like a really good striker in front of you who you know can hit the back of the net? Yeah, definitely <laughs> makes our job easier. Um, mm. We're we're in we're in the in the team to sort of let them go and win the games for us. So um, if you know they only need one chance, it helps. Um, yeah. But to be fair, we're a team who over the last five years since I've been there, we create a lot of chances per game. We probably don't score enough as many goals as we should with the chance we create. But um, yeah, Lee and and obviously Trey this year. I think Trey did very well for Kettering last year and attracted our attentions and Lee's been with us for four, five years now and mm. he's gone on and improved his game no end and obviously he got 20, 20 plus goals last season which I was delighted for him to get like so yeah but they're both still young as well and they're both learning the game and um, if we can help them learn some more and, and, and provide more assists for them to score goals and, then the better Yeah uh, on your first year at Buckley as well so I've kind of just gone back to that right no, alright <laughs> uh, you finished seventh place, so I think it was. I think it was actually two places outside the playoff position. I'm not too sure about that because obviously Darlington ended up not qualifying for the playoffs, even though they finished fifth and Charlie were behind them. I'm not too sure what happened there, being completely honest. Um, but how frustrating was it just just to miss out in the playoffs again? Obviously, did it the year before in the Eton. We have just become increasingly frustrated. Yeah, Darlington got kicked out of the playoffs because the ground <laughs> wasn't up to standard to get promoted. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, mm. and it was only the 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 four teams that year. But uh, yeah, like I think we I think we only missed out on a goal. I think goal difference was what we missed out on. So yeah, yeah, same thing happened to me two years in a row. Was was so frustrating. I just thought, am I going to be? Am I going to be that man who just just is on the edge there and never makes the playoffs and has 
has nothing to play for toward the end of the season. Um, but it might have been a blessing in a way because I think the next season we came back a lot more hungry to go and try and succeed and, and sort of better our position in the league. Yeah, I was just about to go into that in fact because next, next season obviously you finished in third. Uh, it was a whole new playoff rule in terms of how many more teams got into it. Uh, going into that season, obviously you just missed out on the playoffs year following a very, I think it was similar core player of Bradford players. Um, what was sort of like in that in that changing room before a game, obviously at the start of the season, were you just so ambitious to maybe get try go do that one step further to the playoffs? Yeah, definitely. I think in the summer we recruited really well. Like I said, the majority of the team stayed the same, but what we did was we recruited a sort of like better strength and depth. So we brought in players like Andy Brown, who had been fantastic at, at Nuneaton. Jack mm. Bourne is at Telford now, another midfielder. We were always light in those areas, so it was more competition for places. So I think that that stepped up everybody's game. And I think, yeah, once we sort of started the season, I think we, we had a thought where, all right, let's see where this takes us because we've got a very good squad. We've got good experience throughout the squad. So I think we sort of felt like, yeah, if, if we're going to get promoted, that was probably our year. Yeah, and obviously in that year as well, it was eventually soft that obviously won the league. But coming up against a team like Soft City, obviously well known for all the money income they've got from the class of 92 and all that. Uh, coming up against a team like that, obviously, I think they've just not been promoted that season, the season before that, something like that. Um, were you ever like coming up against them and thinking, oh, they've got all this money behind them, so I need to sort of play better, if that makes sense? Like, you had extra motivation. Yeah, for that. Obviously, they had the documentary as well. So, like, I remember talking to one of the lads saying, oh, here they are, the celebrities are non league. Like, so, yeah, you probably do raise a game a little bit because, you know, I think the first time we played there in the first year, Skulls was there and Neville were there on the bank yeah. watching. So, I think you probably do a little bit, yeah. And I think that year, the second year, we beat we beat Salford four 0 in the FA Trophy, and then oh, we beat wow. them, we beat them two one at home as well. So, I think, I think they knew that everybody would sort of raise their game because because they were throwing money at it and because they had the documentary. So I think people saw them as a, as a scalp, and rightly so. Look where they are now; they've stunned mm -hmm. them no harm. But yeah, they were seen as a scalp, and I think other than League Two. National League North was the only league that they didn't get promoted out of straight away. So it tells yeah. you how tough their league is at the minute. Mm. Uh, obviously, in the same league as Southwark promoted, you finished third. North Ferriby actually got relegated the year before to the National League North and then finished uh, just, I think it was 28 points adrift of safety. Uh, did Brackley do the double over North Ferriby that year? Yeah. Yeah, quite convincingly <laughs> well, I think. Yeah, quite yeah. convincingly. It's sad to see, actually, because... The year I was at Nuneaton, Ferriby got promoted um, and they were a good side. And obviously to see what happened to them, quite sad to see happen to a non-league club. Um, but I think once once you get in that free fall, it's hard to stop. Like I say, relegated from the National League, then straight away from the National League. And unfortunately, football holds no prisoners, you know what I mean? Like We, we went there and seen right, that they're, they're wounded, we can go and win. I think we might have won 5-0 at their place and training at home or something. So yeah, it was... No, <laughs> it was a tough year for them, um, but obviously they've they've restarted up again, which is nice to see, and and hopefully we come across cross paths again soon. Have you seen a North Ferriby's home kit for this season? I haven't. Uh, when we finish this, you'll have to Google it. It's one of the nicest kits I've seen. Is it green and white? It's sort of like it's green and gold, I think something like is that. It? It's really nice though. Uh, anyway, uh, in that same year, obviously I'll get onto the FA Trophy and everything happen with that next, but. You got to the player final, obviously you did that one step further to get to the playoffs, and you came up against Harrogate Town where I believe it finished 3-0 Harrogate. Uh, yeah, 3-0 Harrogate. Obviously, after a game like that, lose, getting 
no offence, hammered uh, in the final. Uh, what was going through your head as a player? Yeah, it's probably one of the worst days I've had in football. Um, yeah, it was, it was horrible. You know, I think it sounds like I'm blaming the ref here. I think a couple of decisions went against us. They, they get given a penno, um, which is harsh for a handball. But I think they just had that edge on us. Um, they played at home on the AstroTurf. Bit of an advantage, but they're a very good side. Um, and fair play to them. We, we, we were beaten by a better team on the day. I, just, I don't think we turned up, but they certainly did. And yeah, you just... The thing was, we had the FA Trophy the next week, so it couldn't really get too down about it because you had to sort of pick yourself back up and go. If that had been the season finished, I'd have been thinking about it all summer. And yeah. I'd been devastated all summer. But having the FA Trophy the, the week later sort of gave you a bit more motivation not to feel like that again because it was, oh, it was horrible. It was horrible just having to stand there and watch them sort of achieve the goal that you'd set out to achieve. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was heartbreaking, really was. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, going into that FA Trophy final, then, did you feel like perhaps you've already lost one trophy just like a week ago? Yeah, you wanted that FA Trophy just all that bit more just because you lost that last trophy? Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely, definitely. It's one of them, like I said, you don't want to feel that feeling again. Yeah. And you don't want to go and play on BT Sport at Wembley and you don't want to go to Wembley and lose. And I think that's no, that's, that's, that's how we all felt. And that year in the FA Trophy, we beat the likes of Barrow, Sutton, Stockport, Salford. Mm. So coming up against Bromley, who were National League opposition, so it didn't really phase us, to be honest, because um, we knew how good we were on a day and we just thought, we just knew if, if we could turn up, we'd have a real chance at winning it. And um, obviously turned out to, to be true. Yeah. Uh, obviously, normally players as well don't really get many opportunities to play at Wembley. So, as a player like yourself, how how big of a moment was that for you? Yeah, first time I've ever been. First oh, and only time I've, yeah, it's the first time yeah. I've been. Um, yeah, it's sort of, sort of the pinnacle of, of careers, really, isn't it? Um, mm. Just walking out there and just taking it in. Like, the pitch had the FA Cup played on the day before, the FA Vars played on hours before, and the pitch was still immaculate. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously to see how many fans Bromley brought and then we brought 6,000. I think we brought like 60% of the population of Brackley oh. or something. Um, yeah, it was it was amazing. We had a scorching hot day. Mum and dad were over. My wife and her family came down. It was just a fantastic occasion, which obviously is looked back on fondly because we've won. But I knew some. I knew one of the lads in, at the, in the Bromley team who I played with for Ireland. Um, so I was obviously sad for him being on the losing end but if I, really choose, if I had to choose me or him I was always choosing him yeah um, and uh, I'll quickly get on to what happened with your penalty miss in a minute but yeah. uh, obviously 96 minute equaliser for Brackley uh, what in that, obviously in the 96 minute when you equalised against against a team who were about to lift a trophy at Wembley what's going through your head as you celebrate that well initially I'm thinking it's not our day because I, I've watched it. I've watched. I've only watched it back twice, and we have a spell between the 50th minute and the 60th minute where we could score 11 goals. Uh. Like we just second half, we just came out and just put them under the cosh really. And you see us hit the post, keeper saving things, missing easy chances, and you just think it's not going to be our day. And then you see mm. the goal, the shot rattle off the post from from Lowy, and you just say, "Oh, there we go, that's it." And then I think it was relief, just pure relief. Uh, I don't even think I celebrated with, with the lads. I just ran to the crowd wow. and just sort of like started <laughs> celebrating with them because 
it's stuff that is written in movies and you think, nah, that could never happen. Like, I think there was there was 16 seconds left on the clock. Oh, wow, God. And uh, and we go in. So, yeah, I think sort of... I've, I never felt tired during the game, to be honest. And I think that probably that's probably why. It just sort of lifted everybody. And even going into extra time, I played... That was my 60th game that season. I played every minute of every game. I just thought I could run for another 90 minutes if I have to here. So, yeah. it gave us a massive, massive lift. Yeah, and uh, I'm really sorry to bring it up, but the penalty miss. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, what what happened there? I've not taken a penalty since probably five, six years. Um, mm. But I was confident. I said, right, I'll go first. No bother. I'll, I'll get us off and up and running. And yeah, he saved it. What can I say? It's probably a nice height for him. He went yeah. he went early, to be fair, and got there. But watching the rest of the penalties. After missing yours, I went to honestly. I started standing up, and by Bugle, by the time Bugil came around to take his fifth penalty, and he had the scores to win, I was basically on my knees praying, <laughs> and I was praying for somebody to go through the exact same thing I go through because I, I felt horrendous, and I was just thinking, I've lost this the FA Trophy. I've just hmm. this is going to play on my mind for the rest of my life, and obviously, he goes and misses, and Glenn Walker stepped up, and I'm just thinking, oh my god, he has to score this to save me. And he, he puts it in off the post and then they miss the next penalty and, and we go and win. So to go from being on the cusp of, of losing and it being your fault, to, I, I, don't, I never think about the penalty missed at Wembley. Never think about it, ever, yeah. because because we won. Yeah, yeah. I think well, about penalties I've missed in, in other games more because we've not got the three points or we've drawn the game because I've missed the penalty. That penalty is right on the bottom, is right on the bottom of the list of penalties that I regret missing because I, I don't care. If I had to do it all over again, I'd miss again because the outcome would be that we've won the game. So, yeah, um, yeah, like I said, it's gone now. Don't think about it. I have no problem talking about it. We'll quickly we'll quick move on then before yeah. uh, come, come back to the line. But, um, yeah, uh, did you get any sort of, like, ban in the changing room and are people just joking about with you about, obviously, missing that penalty? To be fair, none of the lads said anything, really. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I think we're just all in a euphoric moment and just, just couldn't believe what, what had happened and sort of like the scenario and how it played out. Um, I think I had more messages on and compliments of how I played in the game rather than the yeah. penalty miss. Um, so I think I think fans were just too happy and too proud of what had happened to even even bring it up. Um, and like I said, I, I can laugh it off now because we've won the game. I could laugh it <laughs> off straight away because... But yeah, I gave Glenn Walker and Andy Brown a big kiss after just for getting me out of that hole. Yeah, well, I don't have loads for... Yeah. Uh, ne the next sort of year, then Bradford again finished in third position. Just not not too. Far. This kind of were close to actually the title and all that. Uh, did unfortunately lose in the semi-finals to spend more on penalties. Uh, I mean, just again losing on. Uh, well, not again losing on penalties, but I'm going to penalty shoot out. Uh, we again just frustrated not to maybe get promoted again this time. Obviously, I said again way two times then, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We were. Um, I felt we probably weren't as good as the season before in terms of the strength and depth but we, we found a way to win and we were very good that season again but mm. we had a couple golden chances in extra time to win the game um, and I think there's one, one of the chances I think when we miss it you just see probably nine of our 11 players just fall to the ground in devastation yeah. because once it goes to penalties it's anybody's game and we had a penalty to win it and end up missing it again mm. um, oh, Did you miss it? I didn't know. I scored five oh, okay. that day. Right. 
I scored. <laughs> I won't mention who missed it, but I scored mine that day. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was just. I, I get on with a lot of the spending more lads. I have a lot of time for them. I speak to them quite regularly, probably 70% of the team. So I was happy for them in a way because I get on with them so well. But at the expense of us, I, I was gutted. Like, um, but penos are a cruel way to win and lose. So once you get into the penos scenario, you sort of brace yourself that you can be on the losing side. So I dealt with it pretty quickly. But just to get there again and not get over the line was very frustrating because... Again, I felt like that year we were good enough to get promoted. Yeah. Uh, well, that kind of like takes out my next question because I was going to ask. Uh, well, were you secretly glad when Charlie beat Spennymore on penalties to get promoted? No. No. Did you want Spennymore to? I wanted Charlie to win because so I didn't have to go to Charlie away the next yeah. season. But I wanted Spennymore to win because I, I really got a lot of time for Jason Ainsley, who was the gaffer at the time. And yeah. like I said, the majority of the lads, I'm, I'm quite pally with and I speak to. So for them to go up would have been nice. But like I said, I was happier not to go to Charlie the next year because it's always yeah. a tough place to go. Uh, and obviously we'll move on to the 2019-20 season where everything sort of just went wrong with the coronavirus. Uh, but before we sort of get on to what happened in the playoffs and everything like that and the breakfast season, how did you deal with the lockdown and sort of trying to stay fit? Um. Well, well, we're in lockdown three now. Lockdown one was, it was all right, to be fair. I picked up an injury like two weeks before lockdown. So it came at a good time to me because I, I had time to rest. But yeah. Um, yeah, I probably did more running and more fitness in that time than probably I would do in a normal season. Like, I think the Apple Watch got the most work it's ever got. I was like running pretty much every day on the bike every day. The weather was good as well, which which helped. Um, but you can't sort of, you can't do anything for football fitness. So, like, my, my runs were getting quicker, but I knew once I came back to football fitness, it was going to be difficult. But, um, yeah, it was just... I had nothing to do all day. So, going out for a run, I was just quite... I was happy to get out of the house. So, I would have went on three runs a day if I could have done. But, yeah, it was just... It was just taking stuff that you'd done over the years and pre-seasons and sort of just doing them by yourself. And that, that's basically what I did. Yeah. And, obviously, in that season, everything were a bit out of proportion because of coronavirus, but Kings Lane actually got promoted to National League at North and then straight away promoted to National League. Uh, when you came up against Kings Lane, we, did you ever like sort of like misunderestimate them, if that makes sense, sort of thinking, oh, they've just been promoted, uh, they might have had a few good results, but, you know, they might not have as good squad quality as some other teams like a Chester have been really good or something like that. Yeah, we only, we only had to play them once that year um, mm. and it was pretty early, I think it was in August and to be honest, we battered them on the day. We played 3-5-2 oh. against 3-5-2. We drew one all, but possessionally and chances-wise, we battered them. And um, I missed the penalty on the night before. Last kick of the game, I missed the penalty. <laughs> I think you should just stop, stop. Put your hand up to take penalty. Yeah, I know. You're not wrong. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that, that penalty haunts me a lot more than the Wembley one. But um, did we underestimate them? No, because on the day, we, we were very good and, and sort of tried to give them a proper welcome to the National League North. But... Had the season not curtailed so early, would they have got promoted because they were falling mm. away a little bit? You don't know. Same with York. So, yeah. um, who knows? But no, to, to do what they did to get promoted back to back, fair play to them. Like it was, um, it was a, a fantastic achievement. Yeah. Uh, and also in that year, sort of Bruff Park Avenue, who had been getting to the playoffs, I think, for a number, well, I think the two years before that, finished bottom of the league, uh, complete the wayward of any sort of survival. They were 14 points uh, adrift. Uh, was it like playing a team who maybe 
you, you are used to being a good good side, pushing for the promotion. But now the Candice lost it. Yeah, it was weird because in my in the year we made the, to the um, playoff final, we played Bradford in the semi final, okay. and they and we scored and we won one nil, scored an extra time. But I always found it tough going to beat Bradford and playing against them. They're always a tough side under Mark Bauer. But last year they, I think they they just I don't know what happened. We ended up, we beat them eight nil. Oh yeah, I talked to. Uh, what did I talk to I talked to someone last week about about uh, that result. I never knew it was actually eight 0 I know they lost the first two games of seasons five 0 but I never knew practically beat them eight 0 Yeah, we beat them eight 0 It was just it was it was yeah it was weird because like you said, you're used to them being competitive and you're used to them running us close. And to be fair, the second game we played them, we only beat them two one, and they were a lot more competitive. But I just yeah, it was it was a strange thing um, to go and beat a team who who you're used to being very competitive against. 8-0 um, yeah. and Lee Fowler was I think he was interim interim manager at the time and I was speaking to him after he's, he's a great man and a good manager and they're just, just saying like what, what can you do like just these things happen. they had a man sent off to be fair pretty mm. early so that didn't help the case but yeah they, they still had good players so it was strange to see why they were doing so bad and yeah. I think going into air game I think they'd lost the previous couple of games 4-5-0 and five nil, so we, we were keen not to underestimate them and not not to sort of like give them any chance of, of getting their, their season back on track. So we did our job as, as best we could that day and obviously come out eight no winners. Yeah. Uh, and also in that season, uh, Brackley, I, I honestly have no idea how to pronounce your name. Uh, Lee, Lee and, 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 and Love. And, and Love. And Love, yeah, basically. It's, it's spelled Endeluvu, but it's and yeah. Love. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, Lee and Love then. He got 20 goals, which aims the league's second top scorer. Uh, mm. Obviously, you said he's been at the club five years. Um, did join the season you joined? I think he was there um, probably half a season before me. Yeah. But uh, obviously, you've seen him grow into such a fantastic player. What What's it like playing alongside someone who can finish in the league as a league's top scorer uh, for so long? Well, he's a great lad. That helps. You know, I got a lot of time from him. He's a, he's a very, very nice man. And um, sort of his energy and the th the way he goes about things is quite infectious. He's uh, he's very upbeat. He's a personal trainer. He just he likes to be around everybody. So um, it's taken his time over the over the five years to get where he was. Um, yeah. He'll tell you himself in year one, two, three, he would have missed a lot of chances that he put away now. So um, he's worked at his game. To be fair to him, and back to goal, there's nobody nobody better in the league than him. And uh, in front of goal, he's getting a lot better, as you can see, finishing. Second top goal scorer, next to Glenn Taylor. That's no mean feat, you know what I mean. A striker of Glenn's mm -hmm. quality uh, to finish second to him is is a very good achievement. And I'm I'm hoping he can he can continue and probably get, hopefully get a shot at, at league football because I think he deserves it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we're going to talk quickly about uh, what happened against Gates. Said your goal from the halfway line was it on purpose? It was, yes. Okay, I didn't know if it was like just a hoof and hope, and then he managed to no. go the keeper. No. Uh, um, yeah, definitely on purpose. Dave obviously scored. I know how close it is to half time. I've said to the ref how long we got left. He said like said like thirty seconds or something like that. And you know what keepers do after like the team scored, they're sort of like jeering the team on saying, Let's go again. Yeah. Well, yeah. just before kickoff, just before Lee passed the back to me, I had a look up when he was good ten yards off his line, so I thought there's only thirty seconds left. Let's, try, let's, yeah. let's just try it. Yeah, we're not we're not gonna score else we're not gonna score before half time unless this goes in. So what, was I surprised to see it drop in? Yeah, of course. I could, <laughs> probably couldn't believe it. But um, 
nice that it was on telly well it was streamed nice that it didn't happen in front of nobody well it went viral I, I, be honest, I, I haven't really heard much of you before and it came up on my, on my Twitter and I was, I was like what a girl to be fair yeah uh, what happened at half time and obviously because you went in you just got that girl being so close to half time where everyone just confused so yeah to be fair Gavin said he said I don't, I'll have to mention it he said just what a goal what an absolute <laughs> goal and then like I don't think we we're happy with our overall performance in the playoffs. You know, I think we we're probably a bit rusty. Like I said, that match fitness was probably lacking, and Gateshead probably mm. were better possessionally on the day than us. But yeah, I think I think we we're all st- we we're all stunned. And honestly, my, my Twitter was just absolutely yeah. crazy. it was crazy for like a week and a half. Mm. Um, but yeah, Gaffer was just like, right, great goal. Now let's forget about it and let's try and win the game. Yeah, and of course, he did go to penalties. Uh, did you end up taking a penalty? I did. I didn't do it. I scored. Ah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, again, just uh, not quite getting getting past the playoff stage, obviously, and losing again. Uh, how how gutting was it just to keep going for the same problem? Yeah, we're getting worse. We got to the final semi-final <laughs> and then to the qualifier. So, um, yeah, again, pen, like I say, Penos. It, it was a strange one that year because the, because the season didn't, didn't finish. Mm. So... Well, I finished in March and then we played in July, so it's it's a long time off. So it probably didn't feel as big a game as it was. You know, we don't have the fans there, sort of like knowing how important it is. So yeah. it probably hurt less than all the other ones did, but still frustrating to get there again and just just lose. Like that's three years in a row, outcome the same every time. So um, we just need to skip the playoffs and actually try and win the league instead of yeah. going through. That through. <laughs> um. Yeah, obviously we'll move on to the season then with everything going on. It's not looking likely that the National League North season will continue. Um, however, I, what I did notice is that you've got six goals in 14 games a season, which I think makes you, uh, I had this up, the joint ninth top scorer in the league. Uh, how's this feel, obviously, being a midfielder, I think you said before, more of a defensive sort of box-to-box midfielder to be, well, you join you join with the likes of Ashley Hemmings, Jimmy Spencer, who's obviously a striker for the mm-hmm. Paul Blackett. Uh, just how good is it to have got that many goals and be up there with some of the league's main strikers? Well, yeah, I've got, I've got seven. I scored in the FA Trophy as well. So I've got six league goals, one FA Trophy goal. So I've got seven. I scored seven in total last season, the whole season. So oh. to be seven, I think I've played 20, 20 games this season, including FA Cup. So seven and 20. Yeah, I'm really happy. I've sort of, we've we had a little change. I've sort of moved into a more attacking role and it's been paying off. I'm, I'm our top goal scorer at Brackley, which I give the strikers a stick about every time I see them. Yeah, I think we can um, But yeah, like you said, to be amongst players who are, who are strikers and whose job it is to score and yeah, I, I was gutted it stopped when it did because I was I was on a bit of a roll. I was pretty much scoring every week. So um, yes, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's something that I wanted to add to my game and obviously at the start of the season, 10 goals for a midfielder has been my aim. So um, yeah. If if it starts back up, I would be very confident in getting getting there. But yeah, it's it's, it's nice scoring. Scoring isn't something I come on and you coming up. Scoring isn't something I always uh, always intend to do. But um, yeah, I've enjoyed it this year. Yeah. Uh, so what's the secret then? Have you been practicing shooting in training or just in your garden? Uh, I've just gone in for me. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, a, a couple of I think three have been penos. To be fair. Ah well. At least you're improving that, that, that helps, but they've got to stick in. But yeah, I've just I found myself getting further up the pitch, playing in the new role, new role, and um, I've been been, been beneficiary of that really, and, and the club have. So yeah, the, the other ones have been 
a counter attack against Geisley, literally against Gloucester. I, I tapped it in on the line, so I'm, I'm getting a lot forward up the pitch. So the more I'm in the box, the more chance I've got a score. And so um, I'll, I'll put it down to that, really. Yeah, I actually had that guy's again, so I actually remember that goal. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, obviously, then sort of moving on to uh, just casual Bratcliffe sort of things. Uh, you've been with Kevin Wilkin now, I believe. Did he was he actually responsible for signing you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he's the one that took me from the Neaton to Brackley. Yeah, so obviously you've worked with him now for uh, six odd years, something like that. Yeah, uh, five years, six years, something. Uh, what's it like working with a manager who you're now so familiar with, and I'm sure you've got a good relationship with? Yeah, it's 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 good to have that with, with Gaffer. You know, um, it's just a trust element. Um, like I said, with, with Richard Barker, having somebody who trusts in you that much, so like. Mm. He knows he hasn't got a lot. To, hasn't got to say a lot to me going out to a game because we've been together so long. He knows what he can expect from me, and, and I sort of know what he wants. Um, so yeah, have, having that sort of trust in each other, knowing that if he gives me everything, he'll get the same back. So um, yeah, the relationship's grown over the years, and sort of speak outside of football rather than just football. You know, we, we, he came to my my wedding last year, so um, yeah, we've got we've got a good relationship and sort of. Same with everybody at the club, like the assistant manager Mark Noon and and David Staff, like got really good relationships with them, and I think that's probably why we've done so well over the years. You know, we a bit like a family. We we embed in, into each other, and and um, we, we care for each other, and, and enjoy spending time together. So um, I think that's been been really important. Yeah, yeah, and uh, obviously Brackley now fifth in the league, so hopefully you can push on and get promoted. But um, last sort of. Uh, thing then from me but what are your thoughts on the current National League season or, I don't feel like saying about it but what what do you think should potentially happen um, my opinion as I, I feel safe playing football mm. and if if early continuing isn't putting one the NHS at risk yeah, or, or adding to um, hospitalisation of people then I think it should continue but on the other hand I don't feel clubs should take on debt to continue a season, yeah. I just don't think they need to take on that financial board and just just to finish a season. So, um, safety wise, I feel comfortable continuing. I'd like the season to continue, but financially, if the clubs can do it, and that's every club, if one club can't do it, it's it's unfair to do so. Financially, at the minute, it's probably not the best thing to do. Unfortunately, um, whether in a week's time we hear more and the club are going to give grants and stuff, but. Um, like I said, we touched on it earlier with the likes of Berry. What happened yeah. to them? The likes of North Ferriby can't expect clubs to take on loans if they have no means of and finan can financially repay them. Um, there's no point going into debt to finish one season. So, um, I think that's the only way it can continue is if if it's given as grants. I don't expect any club to take on debt to just to finish the season. It's it's unreasonable to ask. So, who knows what's going to happen? I'd like it to continue, but can I see it continuing? I can't see fans being back this season, so no, yeah. unless there's a grant of some sort, I can't see how it's financially possible to continue. Yeah, well, I think we'll leave it on that then. Uh, I'd like to thank my guest this week, uh, Shane. Uh, oh God, what's I've completely lost? See, I was wondering actually before as well. Is it Shane? Is it Shane Burton? Yeah, that's the one. Okay, because I didn't know if it was Shane, like, like because I, I don't obviously know Irish names too well. Because yeah. I think if it were like Bryn or something like that. Yeah, people say Brian, Bryn. Yeah, yeah but I, I have to say, well, the way I say it is born because I'm Irish, but I have to put on my English accent and say burn. <laughs> yeah, well. But yeah, so like, that's it. Uh, yeah, let's put my guest Shane Burn this week.
Cheers, mate. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, cheers, me too. Uh, and I'll see you all next week. <laughs>